This is your Times Daily World Briefing on Sunday the 8th of May. I'm Amy Gill. And I'm Jenny Barsby. A historic win in Northern Ireland puts reunification back on the table. Let's have a healthy debate about what our future looks like, something that's better for each and every one of us. And what next for the defiant Ukrainian fighters and the Avostol steelworks in Mariupol? There seems to be a sense among some of the defenders and their families that these men have kind of been left to die. The Times Daily World Briefing. It's been over 100 years since Ireland was partitioned into Northern and the Republic of Ireland, and now a historic win will open a debate on reunification. Sinn Féin, the party that was once a political wing of the IRA, has secured a victory in Northern Ireland's Assembly, beating the pro-British Democratic Unionists. Winning 27 seats to DUP's 25, this will be the first time Sinn Féin will lead Northern Ireland's devolved assembly in Stormont. Sinn Féin Vice President Michelle O'Neill says she remains hopeful for Ireland's future. Those of us that are for unification will make that case. I encourage those that actually don't have that perspective at this moment in time to also enter into the conversation. Let's have a healthy debate about what our future looks like, something that's better for each and every one of us, where we all have a valued place in our society. So I really encourage that conversation. We have made an ask of the Irish government consistently that they must now create the conditions for a conversation around constitutional change. According to the Northern Ireland Act of 1998, which followed the Good Friday Agreement, it can only break away from the United Kingdom through a so-called border poll. The last border poll was held in 1978, and a 2021 survey reported in the Irish Times found that a majority of people still want to remain in the United Kingdom. Sean Hohey, a lecturer at the Institute of Irish Studies at the University of Liverpool, spoke to Times Radio about a potential border poll. The criteria for a border poll has never been published and is probably still quite um, uncertain. The the Good Friday Agreement enshrines the right to Irish unity um, if the Secretary of State is convinced that there is a case for it. Um, So there was a court case recently to try and get the British government to set out some kind of concrete criteria against which nationals could work towards. um, And the court said that, that that didn't have to happen. Though Sinn Féin ran on a platform around the cost of living, it says it will look to a potential border poll in the next few years. Hohei went on to talk about what this would look like. The, the likely case for it is, uh, is Sinn Féin leading the government in the north, and then in two years' time after the election in the Republic of Ireland, Sinn Féin are way ahead in the polls in the Republic. They will probably win that election and then you'll have Sinn Féin in power in the north and in the south and I think on that basis there will be not just domestic but international pressure for a border poll. The most imminent question right now however is whether the DUP and Sinn Féin will be able to form a government in Stormont. Though Sinn Féin does hold a majority it is reliant on the DUP to nominate a deputy leader. Meanwhile, Irish President Michael Martin has released a statement calling for a government to be formed quickly in order to resume the power-sharing principles of the Good Friday Agreement. To Ukraine now, where after weeks of negotiations and failed attempts, all elderly people, women and children have now been evacuated from the besieged Azovstal steelworks in Mariupol. 
The operation, which began a week ago, was coordinated by the UN and the Red Cross. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky thanked both organisations for their efforts. My thanks to the teams of the International Red Cross and the Organisation of the United Nations, which helped us conduct the first stage of the evacuation mission on Azvastol. More than 300 people were saved, women and children. In fact, we took civilians out of Azvastol. President Zelensky says diplomatic efforts are now underway to save the remaining fighters holed up inside the steel plant. Despite having little food and water and some badly injured, the defenders have vowed not to surrender. But Ukrainian officials fear Russian forces want to wipe them out by Monday, in time for Moscow's commemorations of the former Soviet Union's victory over Nazi Germany in World War II. The Times' Richard Lloyd Parry is in Zaporizhia and told us that negotiating a rescue for the wounded will not be easy. There seems to be a sense among some of the defenders and their families that these men have kind of been left to die. So I think behind the scenes, Zelensky is probably under pressure to get some kind of resolution to get these men out. Although, of course, no one at this stage in the war has the appetite to, appetite to make a compromise with the Russians. And the Russians themselves will not want this very tough unit to be allowed out to fight another day somewhere else. So it's hard to see how it can be resolved. Meanwhile, the UK has announced it will provide £1.3 billion of further military support and aid to Ukraine. It includes systems to target Russian artillery and night vision devices and is the highest rate of UK military spending on a conflict since Iraq and Afghanistan. Prime Minister Boris Johnson and other G7 leaders will hold talks with President Zelensky today to discuss the further support on offer. On the way, US comedians Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle see the funny side of their on-stage attacks. The Times Daily World Briefing We move now to Afghanistan, where the Taliban have reimposed one of their signature policies, ordering women to cover their faces in public. During the Taliban's previous rule, women were obliged to wear the all-encompassing burqa when outside the house. Now, a decree from the group's leader states that if a woman does not cover her face outside, her father or closest male relative will potentially face prison or be fired from state jobs. In a statement, the Taliban's Minister of Propagation of Virtue and Prevention of Vice said he wants all brothers and sisters in Afghanistan to have a safe, happy and dignified life. Though it's not uncommon for women in rural Afghanistan to wear the burqa, many in urban areas, such as Kabul, opt for the religious headscarf. One resident of the capital says women should respect the rules of Islam. My message to all Afghan women is to observe their hijab based on the rules of Islam. They must do what Islam has allowed them. There is no need for emirates to advise them. The last few months have seen the Taliban roll back women's rights in Afghanistan, including banning girls over the age of 10 from education. According to an Amnesty UK director, this latest policy is the nail in the coffin for equal rights in the country. 
Now to Asia, where a pro-China former police officer known for his crackdown on Hong Kong's pro-democracy movement will be the territory's new leader. 64-year-old John Lee was the only candidate in an election to choose a successor to Carrie Lam as Hong Kong's chief executive. He needed a simple majority to win, which he did comfortably, with more than 1,400 votes. Mr Lee arrived at a harbourfront convention centre this morning to a small protest consisting of three activists from the League of Social Democrats. Power to the people! Power to the people! Universal salvation now! Universal salvation now! High security meant the activists who chanted various pro-democracy slogans were prevented from getting anywhere near the election venue to protest. Speaking on Friday, Mr Lee pledged to relaunch Hong Kong as an international city and develop its potential as a free and open society. In the next five years, you and I together will build a new Hong Kong that is caring, inclusive, diverse, full of vitality and hope. His appointment comes amid concerns from some Western governments, including the United States, that freedoms and the rule of law have been undermined by the security legislation that was imposed by Beijing in 2020. Mr Lee will take over as a former British colony's chief executive on July the 1st. The Times Daily World Briefing. Sport. Now with an update on Miami's Formula One, here's John Jackson. Ferrari continued their good pace to qualify first and second for the inaugural Formula One Miami Grand Prix. Championship leader Charles Leclerc took pole position ahead of his Spanish teammate Carlos Sainz after Saturday's qualifying session. The pole was the Monegasque's third in five races this season and 12th of his career, as well as the first time Ferrari had secured the top two grid positions since the 2019 Mexican Grand Prix. Formula One world champion Dutchman Max Verstappen qualified third for Red Bull, with his Mexican teammate Sergio Perez fourth. Sunday's race around the Hard Rock Stadium, home of the Miami Dolphins NFL team, will be the first Formula One race to take place in Florida since the 1950s. Meanwhile, Britain's Jamie Chadwick won the first W Series race at the new track as she looks to defend her title driving for Caitlyn Jenner's Jenner Racing. The Times Daily World Briefing. Entertainment. Now, what do you get if you cross two comedians with two stage invasions? Great material for your stand-up routines, by all accounts. According to reports out of LA, Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle joked about their separate assaults at a secret performance at the Comedy Store in West Hollywood on Thursday. It was only two days before that a man rushed onto the stage at the Hollywood Bowl while Chappelle was doing stand-up. 23-year-old Isaiah Lee was arrested and later charged with four counts of misdemeanor, which he denies. Rock, on the other hand, was slapped by actor Will Smith on stage at the Oscars after the comedian made a joke about his wife's hair. Speaking after the incident, Chappelle reportedly told Rock, at least you got smacked by someone of repute. I got smacked by a homeless guy with leaves in his hair. And finally, they've been man's best friend for thousands of years, but whether dogs actually love us or just want food has been open to debate. Now though, zoology writer Jules Howard says that emphatically that it is true love, not just survival instinct. And there is plenty of evidence to prove it. Howard cites a 2015 experiment that showed a 130% increase in oxytocin, also known as the love hormone, after dogs gazed at their owners. After all these years living together, Howard says dogs and humans are just hardwired to connect. 
And that's your Times Daily World Briefing for Sunday the 8th of May. This podcast from The Times of London is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.